Hello, and welcome to Artfully Told, where we share true stories about meaningful encounters with art. I think artists help people have different perspectives on every aspect of life. All I can do is put my part out into the world. It doesn't have to be perfect the first time. It doesn't have to be perfect ever, really. I mean, as long as you, you're enjoying doing it and you're trying your best, that can be good enough. Art is something that you can experience with your senses and that you just experience as, as so beautiful. Hi, friends. Whether you are just getting started or you're a seasoned professional looking to up your game, I have an exciting opportunity for you. Did you know that I am actually the creator of 10 different courses online that range from ballet, jazz, tap? They also include a mindset detox course and two stretch and tone courses. So if you're looking to start a new hobby or get a little bit fitter, or you're looking to do a deep dive into your mindset and really perform a true detox, I have the course for you, and I would love to help you out with that. So if you go to elevateart.thinkific.com, you will see all of the different courses I've created. You don't have to step in a classroom to take your first dance class. I teach a signature 20 moves in 20 days course that allows you to learn 20 steps in just 20 days. It's a lot of fun. We have a great time together. And I think you're going to absolutely love the different courses and artfully told listeners get a little something from me. So if you go, you'll sign up and use the promo code artfully told all one word. And when you do so, you'll get 15% off the purchase of any and all your favorite courses. All right, listeners, enjoy that. Again, it's elevateart.thinkific.com. See you there. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Artfully Told. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I am so excited to have as my guest today, Sharon Glassman. She is a multimedia artist, and she is also the designer and songwriter of Smiles Songs, Cards and Gifts That Sing, which I am just so excited about, so excited to hear her stories. So thank you so much for being here today, Sharon. Thanks so much for chatting with me, Lindsay. I'm really excited to to chat with you. Yay. Well, I would love if you would share just a little bit about your background, maybe what got you started. And I know you have had such a very cool career, so many different unique opportunities. So I just can't wait to dive in and hear all about them. <laughs> sure. Well, the first image that, that comes to mind that I feel like started me on the path here, creating cards and gifts that are designed to make folks really feel loved and seen and appreciated and happy, is sitting at my parents' kitchen table around the age of 10 and doing an illustrated book of an original poem. And I was cutting out pieces of paper and covering some of them in tinfoil to make this sort of like multi-layered 3D illustration thing. And I think that was the first step to getting here, sort of breaking the rules but finding ways to make things, combining different things, kind of like peanut butter and chocolate in an arty way to make folks feel good. Nice. Okay. And then I know you've done a vast number of things and I can't wait to hear about them, but do you want to speak more to what you're doing right now to start? Sure. So right now I have a line 
of greeting cards for just because reasons, uh, reaching out to a friend, plus the usual stuff like birthdays. I'm working on a new baby card right now. I'm super excited. Holiday stuff, mom's dad's day, that kind of stuff. And the way that they sing is that I design a QR code and I link it back to an original song that I write to amplify the colors and the design and the message because you know, when you're out in the world and something makes you feel happy, it usually doesn't just touch one of your senses with art. It usually engages several of them. So if you see uh, a sunny day and there's a blue sky and then the breeze blows and you smell a flower, that's a whole bunch of senses combining. And my challenge and uh, commitment has been, how do I create that feeling for folks? Neat. And I love the idea of including multiple senses in this experience because I think, oh, that just makes it so much richer. Oh, neat. What a unique idea. Okay. How did you come up with that? It was an invitation. It was a creative challenge. Very briefly, because my career is a little nonlinear, I started out being a terrified style writer in New York City. I'm an introvert by nature. So I function well when I'm listening, when I'm observing, and I really do want the answers to questions. But at that point in my life, I was just way too scared to go to a fashion designer and say, hey, let's talk. I was so scared about asking the wrong question. And that led me to hack my career for the first time. And what I began to do was tell stories on stage. Uh, I would ask people about their love life. I would ask people their love stories. I would ask questions, but I somehow wasn't scared when it wasn't journalism. And then I would go share them to make people, again, feel loved and you know appreciated for who they were. Uh, I traveled around the country doing this. And that led me to move to Colorado, where I became a performing songwriter. And at that point, what had happened was folks in the audience a lot of them introverts and kind-hearted, highly sensitive people would say to me, that song makes me feel really like you're talking to me and telling me about my best self. If only I could take you home and put you on my wall or have you around because what I'm seeing when I hear you is so inspiring too. And I thought, let me think about that for a second because I think I can make that dream come true. Wow. How cool. Well, and I... I'm so intrigued. Okay, so you went from just feeling, like you said, kind of fearful and introverted. And so so was that a kind of a discovery of that maybe journalism isn't for you? Or do you still dabble in that at all? Or what kind of happened with that component? Well, I think it's continued in a number of different ways. I feel like the words that I'm using on my card are a form of journalism because they come from really hearing what folks care about and need. It's a little bit of copywriting too, which is something else I've done. But what happened for me was the minute that I found my comfort zone, which is an introverted comfort zone. I do things differently. I would never be the kind of journalist that you could send out to cover a five alarm fire or that kind of thing. But I am still a journalist who on occasion will do a feature about somebody. I just was doing a column in our local paper called Ask the Introvert, where I was exploring lifestyle issues for introverts. It comes and goes, the journalism part. But really what I think it did was to train me to be observant, to take notes, 
to recognize a soundbite when I hear one, which again leads to the lyrics in my songs and the messages on the art. Right. Yeah. So it just has continued to um, impact you. And of course, those skills that you developed have obviously been useful throughout you know, your career even now. And that's, I think, really cool how sometimes, you know, a path that <laughs> we discover isn't for us can still, those skills and those those learning experiences that you had can be brought forward into something else. And I think that that's such a magical thing about recognizing that maybe the circumstance wasn't ideal, but this is still pretty cool what you get to do as a result, you know? Yeah, that's just special. All right. I have so many things to ask you about. Okay. So I know that you've also been a voiceover artist for cable TV. Can you share a little bit about that? How cool. Sure. And that was a case of what is it? preparation meeting opportunity. I had gone from being a journalist. I was a copywriter for a cable, big cable TV um, company. And again, it wasn't my happy place. There were moments that were really exciting that, again, would train me about graphic design that I would use later, but I was pretty unhappy. And I, I decided to get some training doing voiceover work, and I'd put together my demo tape, my little cassette at that time. And I was down in the subway, and I bumped into a guy from the cable company I worked for, and he said... Um, you don't happen to do voiceover, do you? Because I've got this thing that I think would be great for you. And I said, as a matter of fact, here's my brand new demo tape. And he said, okay. And he called me back and he said, you're hired for this job. And at the same time, I went to a meet and greet opportunity and got signed by an agent. So I had an agent and a job and that let me transition away from my last corporate job and start sort of creating a, a career that's a bit of a mosaic. So uh, there are things that I focus on or I'm doing more at one time. And then there are kind of the backup singers of my career that then let me do things like voiceover or maybe write an article while I focus on, you know, the business that I'm working on now. Yeah. Oh, so cool. What I, I love those stories of just that sort of serendipity, you know, things coming together, but it's not just random chance. You had to do the work too, you know, like you had this demo tape, but that was something that you wanted to pursue and then opportunity intersected and it was just cool. <laughs> I love those stories. Awesome. And then I also know that you have been a podcaster yourself or co-host of a podcast and have a pretty cool connection there. Do you want to chat about that too? Sure. So after I moved to Colorado, again, something that looked like a door closing or possibly burning down happened. I was living out kind of in the exurbs and there was a fire in the house next door that convinced me it was time to move. And I ended up moving up into the hills to house sit. And when I was doing that, somebody said, oh, you know, one of your neighbors is a writer for the Golden Girls. And I said, I didn't know that, but I actually announced the Golden Girls on Lifetime Television back in New York on cable. It's kind of like that one degree of separation. So they introduced us and we were talking. Yeah. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm going to be working on this podcast for an insurance company. It's branded branded content, as they call it in the business. For baby boomers, uh, would you have any interest in helping me produce it? And I was like, that would be awesome. And before you knew it, I was co-hosting it, and we ran for a year on terrestrial radio, both in LA and Colorado, and then, of course, as you know, with podcasts around the globe and perhaps beyond into the universe, and that was pretty cool. That is super cool. Yeah, and 
Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> I just love all these different cool little things that you've gotten to do. And I know you've been an author as well. And, you know, obviously as a journalist, that, I mean, is a, obviously a form of writing, but have you written um, your own book or what kind of authoring have you done? Sure. So again, the, the, the winding road that is my career led to some pretty nifty things. And I think we had talked just a little bit earlier that after I left journalism, I, I sort of hacked it and began telling reported stories on stage. And one story that really caught my attention, we're back in New York now, was something at the time called Operation Santa Claus that had an amazing history. In New York City, there's a very large central post office, and it's a very dramatic building. It's a stunningly beautiful Beaux-Arts building. And what I found out was that every year around Christmas time, they would take letters to Santa written by kids and families who needed help with gifts for themselves or gifts for each other. And they would make them available to the general public to answer. And this had been going on since the Great Depression. It started when people at that time needed help and postal workers would actually fulfill those letters. And then over the years, it grew into something just spectacular. And my joke about it was that the person who would just steal your cab a second earlier was stealing it to get to the post office to answer a letter. So it was kind of brought out the best <laughs> in New Yorkers. Oh. And there were more letters than there were Santas, secret Santas at that time. And I thought that that was where I could help. So it's a combination of reporting on the story, but then also I had had an experience that I I tend to like to use my personal experiences to, to show my foibles in a way to invite people to not be scared of making a mistake, but to get involved and to help. I had gone to the post office and I come from a Jewish family, not a religious family, but a, a culturally Jewish family. So we weren't allowed to have Christmas. It was like the great forbidden gift. And this was a way for me to sneak in and be an anonymous Santa and get my Christmas fix at the same time. And so I answered three letters and I made a ginormous mistake. I was just old enough to not know what the kids were wanting and one of my letters asked for something, asked me for a first down jacket. And I got very emotional. I was like, this child has never had a down jacket. They want their first down jacket. I am going to go get this, the, the puffiest, warmest, dorkiest, you know, jacket that I can find. And the story that I would tell to invite other people to participate would be after running around town and getting this really just as I said, big puffy jacket. I managed to get it into the deadline, get it to the post office, mail it just in time only to walk outside and see a really cool looking little kid wearing a very thin down jacket with a big lit label on it that said first down. Oh, oh no. So it was a brand. It wasn't a style. Right. Oh, right. geez Louise. That's hilarious. Oh, right. And it, it took me back to a Christmas experience. I had had it as a kid when we, you know, when I was still a believer in Santa, when I wanted a easy bake oven and Santa brought me a Susie homemaker oven. And I was like, what's wrong with Santa? Why doesn't Santa get that? There's an enormous difference. One of these things is really cool. And one of them is super dorky. I'll never be like that when I grow. Oh, yes, you will. Oh, my goodness. I love that story. And what a cool organization. I didn't, you know, I'm not, I wasn't aware of that. Is that in more cities than just New York? Or, you know, is that like more of a, because it should be a national thing. That's really cool. It should be. Yeah. And I traveled around the country. I, th that was the book that I published. It was called Love Santa. I got a book deal with Warner Books, which is now, I think, Grand Central Publishing. And we turned it into kind of a holiday gift book with a how-to at the end. So you could have your own Love Santa party. I traveled around to companies and, you know, how folks in companies would be like, 
oh, it's secret Santa time. Great. I'm going to get you a soap and you'll get me a lip balm and we'll both be like, whatevs. But this instead, I would come in and say, let's maybe not do that. You can answer letters to kids and families together and buy food and clothing and beds. And so that was remarkable. And I traveled around the country with those letters from New York, but I believe that there must be or were other programs like that throughout the country. It's just people are so good at heart. And this was a great way for everyone to come together and make a difference. And it was it was a pretty great experience. Yeah, that is so good. And I'm totally going to read that book because I just, I was so inspired by that story. And yeah, that that is cool. I, I hope that it is something that I can participate to locally or start or something. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is just fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure that you have, you know, obviously you've had such an amazing career and and all of that. And where do you see yourself kind of going from here? Obviously, you're building your business, which is fantastic and a huge time-taking endeavor. <laughs> but are there other things that you're continuing to kind of dabble in on the side or things like in the future you want to kind of pursue too? Well, I have a, a musical duo with the man I call my fiddle bow, which is a little bit of a pun, B-E-A-U. I am a nerd. I'm a nerdy punster. And we're called the Jameson's Duo and we play uh, jazz-inspired or jazz-influenced uh, bluegrass. He comes from Kentucky. He comes from the bluegrass state. So we continue to do that, and that's fun on the side. Um, and right now I'm moving into wholesaling for my business. And so it's, it's interesting because because I'm writing music as well as designing products, I've learned how to record at home. And so I'm working on the next set of songs for the next set of designs for the next, you know, working on Christmas 2021 right now and looking ahead to 2022. So I'm really in a learning phase as I expand from retail into wholesale. And that is really where my time and focus is now. But, you know, there's always the creative pursuits of like baking stuff and cooking stuff because you got to eat while you do all this art stuff. That is so true. <laughs> and if you make it fun, you know, by being creative, then it's it's a lot more enjoyable of a process and doesn't feel like a chore. Yeah. And I think that these things inspire each other too. I just I just did a new greeting card that I'm really excited about. And it says, season your life with love. And it has a bowl uh, with hearts in it and, you know, the salt shakers putting love into your food, which then puts love into your life. And I think all these things are really tied together. It's that sensory, cross-sensory concept again. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And so I'm curious, I'm sure that you've had so many moments during your career so far, during your life so far that kind of stand out, but I'm I'm wondering if there are specific ones that stand out in your memory, either when you witness somebody experience your own art or when you experience somebody else's art where it was just sort of this like moment that mattered, I need to file this away and remember. Wow, such a great question. There are a couple. I have a couple of both, I guess. There was a moment, there was a stage storyteller whose name was Spalding Gray, and he really defined the genre of standing up on a stage and telling a story. His were usually from his life as opposed to reported usually, but he was just a master of that genre and seeing him definitely changed my life both creatively and just inspired me. And I had a big art crush on him and actually got to almost meet him after a show he performed at someone's home in Philadelphia. But introvert, 
was too scared to talk to him, which then of course became a story about not talking about the person that you talking to the person that you wanted to talk to. Seeing his work was life-changing. Hearing a lot of the music that I hear here in Colorado, we're very close to a town that I call the Nashville of Colorado. And the musicians around here that we just get to hear and, and even play with on a daily basis, that's been a life-changing experience. Yeah. I mean, and seeing them like in the grocery store. I mean, you're like, oh, hello, music person. And now with pandemic Zooming, we're able to see shows coming in from Nashville on a weekly basis. So we have a little Chinese food, Nashville bluegrass situation going on in our house on Friday nights where we bring in Chinese food and then you know, sit on the side of the table that faces the TV down in the TV room and dial up insanely talented, like world-class musicians. And it's kind of like we have a front row to these concerts. So that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, that is super exciting. And it's so fun too, because, you know, a, okay, so obviously the pandemic has been very challenging for many, many, many people. And there, there are a lot of difficult things as a result, but at the same time to hear from artists who've kind of learned to adapt and pivot and and now like the world opened up, you know, and we have these super cool opportunities to see a concert that we might not have been able to before, or it would have been very challenging to try to get there or something. And so it's, you know, on one hand, it's maybe not the way that we would have wished that it came about, but it's pretty cool <laughs> what we get to do and, and who we get to see and experience that maybe otherwise we wouldn't have. I do think the digital aspect of the arts right now was probably trending to this place, but was definitely jump-started by the situation that we find ourselves in. I think more and more, and especially as an introvert, again, getting back to this, so things that other people find fun, for me personally, can be just exhausting. I need to go to bed for a day afterwards just because I've had all the feels and all the feels like kind of exhausted all the energies. The digital world for me is a very comfortable place. And again, going back to the QR codes that make my cards sing, finding that digital piece. And before that, I had done a podcast that I published on bottles of wine with a local winery here, again, using QR codes. And so I had an entire cast of local people who are actors and non-actors performing this novel that I wrote with, which I wrote songs for. And the way that we were able to deliver it was, and I'll do a little parenthetical, I think being in the same place at the same time increasingly is not a thing that's viable for lots of people at lots of situations. So where you used to try and get the largest live audience you could to see what you were doing, and that meant that you it was working, I think now we're kind of pixelated and each of us has a desire to see something when we want to see it or hear it or experience it. And that may be where art is going as more of a one-on-one, albeit digital connection. Oh, I like that. Well, and I think, you know, there's value to that too, because it makes it feel more personal and yeah, just a little bit more of an accessible sort of intimate way of experiencing art and that is special. Yeah. And you're right because, you know, so I'm a dancer and I have a professional dance company and we would define success 
on some level, just for on a practical level, I would say, by yeah, the number of tickets that we sold to our shows. And it's interesting because, you know, on a, a more fundamental level, our whole goal is to bring, you know, joy and inspiration to people. And so that can happen in a lot of different ways, even more so now with us, you know, kind of pivoting even our own direction and, and filming and doing that kind of thing. And it doesn't, yeah, the reach is, is different, but it's it's exciting. Oh, I can't wait to watch you guys dance online. You have to send me a link. So this is really <laughs> exciting to me because now I love watching dance. Ooh. And yeah, I would love to see and now and I know you and now I'm like super excited. Like I can't <laughs> wait to see you. But this is this is how this happens through a podcast, which is a digital medium. And if it didn't exist, we might not have connected because I don't know the next time I'm gonna, I've never been to Kansas City. And I don't know that you've been to Longmont, Colorado, but we're connected. And now I can see your stuff and you can hear my stuff. And who knows, maybe there's a collaboration down the road that comes from that or some other thing. So I think that is a really exciting 21st century arts creation and progress that has so many ramifications. I don't think we know them all yet, but we are exploring them, which is pretty exciting. It is. Yes. I I couldn't agree more. I'm so excited about, yes, all of these artistic collisions, I'll put it it that way, and the opportunities that can kind of come from a more open world in a sense. And it's it's exciting. (laughs) Good things are coming. Well, I'm sure that there are listeners who would love to connect with you and, you know, support and follow your work. Is there a way for them to do that? Absolutely. In terms of social media, I tend to be more of an Instagram person. And on Instagram, I am smile underscore songs. But you can always get to me and find the Insta link and all that good stuff on my website, which is just smilesongs.com. And for your listeners, if they would like a little discount on uh, cards and gifts that sing, you can sign up at smilesongs.com slash VIP. And then you'll get my news and find out what's going on and get the 20% off coupon and all that groovy stuff. So I think those are probably the two places. And you can always reach me. There's a contact uh button there so you can say hi or ask me a question. I'm always excited to hear from people and find out maybe what they want. Like maybe there's a a card or a, a message that they need in their life. And I'm always excited to hear about that. Oh, that's super cool. Well, yeah. Thank you also for being so generous. I'm so excited that you shared that with us and and we can go and support your work. So thank you for that. I love it. Well, I always ask my guests the same three questions if you're okay with that. Oh, yes. Oh, good. Okay. So first of all, how do you personally define art or what is art to you? Wowza. That sounds like one of those great, like, questions of all time. Like, you know, what is the meaning of life kind of thing? How do you define art? Wow. I think it's a feeling generated by a selective something. So it could be a painting, it could be a dance, it could be a a song, but I think it's that combination of created experience and emotion. Perfect. Love it. Excellent. And then what do you think is the most important role of an artist? I think 
if you truly believe it, see it, want to share it, that I think is probably what makes art art. There's something there that's just intrinsically real. Yeah, absolutely. And then my final question, and I'll define my terms a little bit, is do you think that art should be inclusive or exclusive? And what I mean by that is inclusive referring to an artist who puts their work out into the world and provides some context behind it, whether it's a title or show notes or the inspiration versus an artist who puts their work out into the world but doesn't provide context behind it. So it's exclusive in the sense that it's left entirely up to the viewer or the participant to see what they will. Wow, that's really interesting. I think both of those things, I'm, I'm going to go for both of both of the, all of the above because I can imagine I'm just picturing an art gallery for some reason. I can picture walking in an art gallery and actually the exhibit being a series of paintings that have no title cards whatsoever, followed by a room where we see the same paintings with the title cards. And that experience would be super cool. Somebody do that and then let us know where it is so we can go. Because that would be really cool because you would be looking at the art and making up your own story. And then you would be going into the other room and seeing either a curated version of that or the artist version of that. But, you know, so many paintings are called untitled. And I know that gives us some information about, like, you kind of go, oh, that's super cool. That person called their thing untitled. They're really <laughs> pretty. <laughs> Let me look at that. Wow, it's a white, it's an all-white canvas called untitled. Dude, that's so deep. It's interesting. I think they're both interesting experiences. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with my all of the above answer. Perfect. Love it. Okay, well, Sharon, thank you so very much for being here today. I really appreciate it. And I loved hearing your stories and your career, your your life has been so interesting. And I, I just love hearing how all the different things have sort of intersected and collided a little bit into what you're doing right now and how it's all kind of, you know, the writing, the singing, the storytelling, just all of those things are sort of woven into what you're doing now. And I just think that's really cool and special. So Thank you for sharing your art with the world. I think it, I know it matters. I know it makes a difference in people's lives. And I, I know that I, I just appreciate that you do that. So thank you. And thank you again for being here today. This has been so fun. Lindsay, it's been delightful chatting with you. And I cannot wait to see you dance. This is really <laughs> exciting. Yes. New friend, new friend, new art. Like I'm excited. It's going to make my day happier. I love this idea of spreading the joy through art and conversation. Oh, yay. Yes, absolutely. Well, and thank you so much to everyone who has listened to this episode. And if you're feeling as inspired as I am right now, I would love if you would share this with a friend or two, and we will catch you next time. If you have a story to share with us, we would love that so much. And I hope your day has been artfully told. Hi, friends. I wanted to share with you another podcast that I think you're going to fall in love with just as I have. It's called Harlem with a View, and it is hosted by Harlem Lennox, who was a previous guest of mine on Artfully Told and a dear friend. Just because it looks easy doesn't mean it is. There is so much that goes into the work of a creative. She wants to know how the artists got into their line of work, what inspires them, but most importantly, what keeps them going. 
She'd ask them about how they make it through the blood, sweat, and tears. She wants to know what it's like to live this creative life, the good, the bad, the ugly, and even the magical. So she goes behind the scenes with creatives from different genres, and she explores their history, their take on life, and talks about the business of art and the dedication of making art. She has a brilliant, brilliant platform. I think you will fall in love. I highly recommend that you search for Harlem with a view. Thanks.